Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This podcast is brought to you by Midland Radio USA, your leader in overlanding and off-road communications. Also, join the brigade at truckbrigade.com, the best of the best for off-road and overlanding gear. Rigid Industries Off-Road Lighting. Own the night with Rigid. Radar Tires, an active supporter of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation and manufactured carbon neutral since 2013. Smittybill Off-Road, providing high-quality products built for living the off-road lifestyle. ICS Fabrication, designing industry-leading mounts, drawer systems, and off-road accessories. And Blue Coolers, 10-day ice at half the price. Welcome to the Anderson Overland Podcast. All right, welcome back to the wonderful and exciting Anderson Overland Podcast. It is a wonderful evening on Monday, the 11th, and I am here with my buddy, Ferranco Bronco. How you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I'm doing good. Good, good, yeah. good. We're stoked to have you, man. And uh, tell people um, who you are and kind of where you came from, what you're about, and and uh, how did you get involved in the whole Ford Bronco scene, and, and um, you know, how is that working out for you? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, my name is Frank Inello and I run the Franco Bronco Instagram account. Um, you know, uh, by, by day, I'm actually a lawyer by trade. I work for a self-driving car company in San Francisco called Cruise. That's so rad. Um, it's, uh, yeah, we can get into that. Uh, it's, it's pretty exciting over there. Uh, but I also, you know, I'm moonlighting it. My passion is, uh, photography, and I do a lot of product photography. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get, uh, I was the second week of production of the new 2021 Ford Bronco. And I just happened to be really lucky ordering up a first edition, getting it when I did, uh, getting out there and taking cool photos of it, uh, linking up with a bunch of companies that I knew were making great products for other models of vehicles. And, uh, 
you know, for the, the rest is just building up this uh, presence in the community, hitting up the forums, helping people out, helping people craft the perfect build for them. Yeah. Uh, and it's just been great. It's just been really fun time. Awesome, man. That's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you know, like we were just talking right before the show, you know, I mean, that's, that's why we do this to, to build relationships and build a community. And it's such a amazing uh, tool to do so, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many friends I've made through Instagram and through just out there on the trail, you know, and you see people at events, you're like, Hey, what's up? And you've never seen them before in your life, but you feel like you've known them for 20 years. You know, it's, it's crazy. I, I don't know. I love it. I love it. That's so rad, man. So you got one of the first production models out. That is insane. Which, which model do you have? Which, uh, what's your setup? Yeah. So I got a, uh, it's the 2021 first edition four door. It's in cactus gray. Uh, there's a lot of work done to it, at least, uh, cosmetically I've got the paint protection wrap on it. So it's kind of matted out. Uh, a few people call it frosted cactus, which I think is kind of cool, but, uh, <laughs> it's awesome. Ford's welcome to use that name in, in future <laughs> iterations. Yeah. Ford, are you listening um, out there? <laughs> but yeah, I've got, I've got a bunch of stuff done to it. Uh, you want me to like kind of walk you through some of the, some of the mods on this thing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, first let's, let's talk about how, how you got involved in like off-roading and overlanding. Like how did that begin for you? Yeah. So that's, that's a great question. So, I mean, back in the day growing up, my first vehicle was a Ford Bronco. It was a 93. No way. Big, big girl. Uh, her name <laughs> was Clarence actually. Um, and it was a maroon two-tone Eddie Bauer, of uh, 93 Bronco. And I just love that thing. I mean, it was a beast. It had tons of problems, but it was like in pretty good shape. Uh, and I would just take it around, but I grew up in New Jersey. So there, there wasn't that much, there wasn't like backcountry routes and right. not that many opportunities out there to, and stuff. Yeah. The, the biggest mountain in the area was the ski slope where, uh, it was basically coated with ice for like two months of the year. And the rest of the time it was just grass. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we did a lot of beach running on the state beaches there, uh, camping oh, cool. in like the pine barrens under the pine trees and stuff like that. But, uh, for a while, I, I, after moving away from New Jersey, started my career traveling down to Florida and then, uh, LA, and then finally back up to San Francisco, I, I kind of dropped off the camping scene. I didn't have a truck anymore. Um, but I was, I would always swear that if they, Ford ever came back out with the Bronco that I'd be first in line to get it. Yeah. And I don't know if I willed it into existence or not, but I've been tracking it since the concept in 2004 and then some leaked uh, union memo uh, in like 2017 or something like that. And I had been planning this for as long as I could. And eventually they did, they, they launched the reservations and uh, yeah, I don't know. I got, I got lucky. I was there to click right away. The site crashed and, I was wow. panicking and I stayed there, kept <laughs> clicking. Uh, but I just got really lucky. And uh once once I got it, the rest, you know, was history. But um the past couple of years, I started getting back out there because my cousin was in the Coast Guard. He was living down in Puerto Rico. And actually he was doing a ton of camping in Puerto Rico oh, wow. uh, with this like 
old Lexus GX 470 that he kind of built out. And uh, he moved here because his Coast Guard assignment became Alameda, uh-huh. which was only like 20 minutes from where I live. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I know of that area. Yeah. We had always been pretty close. And so once he moved out here, uh, the, our first trip, I rode my motorcycle down to Big Sur and camped with him with all of his stuff that he had been moving up uh, from the port down in L.A., uh, and then after that, we just started hitting trips and he was my ride for about two years until my Bronco finally showed up. And now, nice. now we're going out together. That's so rad that you followed that whole, like, you know, from the concept to, you know, production and you know, that everything in between that that's kind of how I've been with Toyota and the FJ cruiser. Like, dude, that's like my dream machine. I've had one already and I was an idiot and got rid of it. Um, I say that like every podcast, people are probably getting sick of me saying that, <laughs> but yeah, but I've been following it cause I really want another one eventually. And I've been following Toyota because there's been rumors of the trail hunter model and this new concept of a forerunner slash FJ cruiser, you know, thing coming out. And so I don't know, we'll see man, but I, I've been kind of in the same boat as you just following and waiting and waiting and waiting. And hopefully when you know, if, and when that time comes, I'll be able to pull the trigger, but dude, that's so rad. Like the following that just kind of keeps the excitement. And when you hear stuff and you see things leaked, you're like, yes, come on, you know? Um, so we can only hope and pray that that happens, but dude, I I've been pretty impressed. I mean, just talking to people I know and at the expos and seeing stuff online and seeing stuff out on the trail, like those Broncos, man, when they're done up right, like they are pretty freaking sweet. Like I've seen a couple, like at first I was like, it looks like a freaking soccer mom mobile. Like what the hell is this? You know? And then I saw like the wild track and you know, some others that were built up, like, you know, the FJ cruiser looks the same way, you know, when it's stock, you're like, dude, this thing Mm -hmm. looks like, like this is stupid, you know? But then when you build it out and proportion everything, put bigger tires, lift it and do the stuff that we like to do to our rigs is you're just like, dude, there's like, this thing's badass, you know, like I want to drive this thing, you know, and that's the Bronco. And that, like, I was just talking to CBI and Prince last week or the last podcast, I guess it's been about two weeks ago. And they were saying, you know, how much they've been impressed with it and all the, the awesome stuff that comes with it, you know, the lockers, the cameras and all this crazy stuff that, you know, Chase was saying is so accurate when you're trail riding, like the cameras and, and, uh, you know, Nathan from that's awesome. Uh, yeah. The CBI guys were like, dude, like, I can't believe how accurate everything is with this thing. Like all the bells and whistles attached to this thing. It's not like they just slap something on the rig to, you know, just be this showcase kind of thing. Like they thought, thought through things, put these things on there, these options on that thing. And, and they are like totally functional and completely legit. And I've been, been pretty impressed. I mean, <laughs> Chase is saying if if they don't let him buy his Bronco that he's sold, he's going to go out and spend 70 grand and buy another one, you know? So, I mean, he's a Toyota guy just like I am. And he's been a Toyota guy forever for, so for him to say that, I'm like, man, like that's, that's, uh, that's, that's going pretty far, you know, away from your roots, like to, you know, to say something like that. But I mean, they're proving themselves, man. They're proving themselves. They hooked them good. I've, I've heard him say the same thing on multiple occasions. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that you pointed out is like the, the most amazing thing, it's very clear that they listened to the off-road and overlanding community yeah. in their engineering. And I've, I've talked to, uh, at one of the events, the Bronco nation had, uh, one of the chief engineers on the Bronco 
and he was just talking about, you know, how much they really paid attention to what people were saying. And you see it from all the things you can get straight from the factory. Yeah, there are options, some of them. There's some stuff that comes standard on on all of them, and it makes it amazing no matter what model you get. Yeah. But the ability to throw the Sasquatch package on it and have, you know, 35-inch tires and uh, your lockers and your lift all from the factory and warrantied. Yeah, what the heck? It's a no-brainer. Yeah. I know I was talking to, you know, um, CBI guys last week and they're like, they're like, dude, like we were talking about how awesome it would be if Toyota or, you know, Bron- or even Ford would, you know, hire a company like that. You know, if they got a contract to just do these like setups, you know, for Toyota or Ford or whatever that are just right out of the box like that um, with, you know, the, bron- the, the bumpers, the sliders, the lift, the, you know, every, the skids everything that you're going to spend money on and include that, you know, an under warranty. I mean, for Bronco to do that already with, you know, some of those components, that's like unheard of. Nobody does that for, for years. It was like, Oh, we don't, we don't want to warranty that because of liability or because this, this or that. Now it's like, they see the market and they see the, the value in that. And I think it's great, man. I, I'm completely impressed with what these, these companies are doing now. They're having to do that. They're having to step up because, they're going to get passed by if they don't, you know, that's like the that's new the thing. The new thing. It's the <laughs> overlanding community is exploding. It's like, you got to get on that freaking freight train while it's going down the tracks and not let go. Because if you do, you're going to, you know, that's it. You're left behind. That's why it's good for everyone. Even people that aren't Ford fans, you know, you want your FJ, uh, you know, this is the the spark that gets other manufacturers actually innovating again and, and pump, pumping out new stuff to the market. Absolutely. As, as much as people love their Jeeps, I think most objective minds would say that it hasn't really, they haven't had substantial changes or improvements over their like, you know, bread and butter and what they do in quite yeah. some time. Right. And the Ford Bronco comes along and has all this stuff from factory, makes it super accessible. Well, accessible if you can get one yeah. uh, for, <laughs> you know, the, the population and now all of a sudden, you know, Jeep needs to step it up. Toyota needs to step it up. And it's going to be great for the entirety of this community. So the whole industry is benefiting from this. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more manufacturers stepping up to this, uh, you know, this kind of setup. And I think it's going to be long term. I don't see them going back the other direction. I mean, this is just a no brainer for them. I mean, if I was a manufacturer, it'd be a no brainer for me. It would just, you know, you have that market there and it's just right at your fingertips and it, it's not going away. It's just growing and growing and growing. So yeah. yeah, it's super cool, man. I mean, what do you think are, you know, are, I don't know if you've been a Toyota guy or a Toyota fan in the past, but what do you think sets the Bronco apart from say like a Toyota FJ or a cruiser or, I mean, um, a forerunner or Tacoma setup? Well, I can't knock any of those other setups because I've seen, you know, wonderful builds out of, out of all of those vehicles. I think, you know, as I mentioned before, kind of the the ability to get this stuff straight from the factory and kind of customize some of the more complicated stuff um, is a huge benefit. And for me in particular, you know, I'd done a lot of uh, off-roading with my cousin in a couple of years prior to getting my truck. I had a lot of exposure to what I liked and what I didn't like from his rig, from some of his friends that we went out with. Uh, but a lot of that stuff wasn't stuff like a suspension and a lift 
and uh, you know, trying to figure out what lockers you can add to something and the complications that go with all of that stuff. You know, I have the the great fortune to be able to get a new vehicle, but I get it with all this stuff that I don't have to think about some of those more complex things until I'm ready to upgrade the suspension at a later time, right. things like that. And I think that just creates that low barrier to entry for this space. And uh, the Broncos being built with all these accessory ready uh, bolt points and you know bolt-on hardware, bolt-on fenders, all this easily swapping stuff and stuff catering to the aftermarket, it creates just so much more opportunity for people to really customize it the way that they want very easily and with uh, you know much less uh, knowledge and, and labor. Now, yeah. there's probably some trade-off there and you, you're probably going to see some Bronco owners doing some dumb shit. Uh, I think there was already an Instagram post of uh, a Bronco at the bottom of a, of a lake bed because the tide came in and it got stuck. And yeah. you know, you're going to have some people that because it's such a low barrier to entry, there might be some mistakes made and some people would, who don't have the education, but you know, we're all learning until we're the knowledgeable ones and you know, it's going to happen no matter what. I think it's great for everyone just to be, you still got to be smart. But uh, the lower barrier to entry, especially around the time where I think, you know, for me, especially during COVID, uh, yeah. going out and doing the camping trips and, and getting away from the stress of just being in your home every day, working remotely, being able to disconnect. Right. I think it just ties into like the perfect release time of this truck. And, uh, you know, this community is thriving right now. And I, I see that continuing on in this trend. Yeah, I think so too, man. It's it's crazy how popular all that stuff got during COVID. It's unreal how many people were getting out. I mean, they had no choice. It was like either sit in your house and, you know, work or, you know, not do anything. Unfortunately, there was a lot of people that just sat around and did nothing. But luckily there's people like us that took advantage of that and were like, hey, you know, I'm I'm just going to get out and camp and do what I can to enjoy life and not let this, you know, this dumb pandemic ruin everything that, you know, I'm about and what life's mm -hmm. about and the outdoors are about, you know, and I know it's, it's kind of that touchy subject, man, but I just haven't to this day, let it affect my life in any way, shape or form. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, I mean, our days are numbered and my, my belief, you know, and my faith is like when the good old Lord decides he's going to take us, he's going to take us. And you know, I'm going to live life to the fullest until that time. And, and, uh, that's, that's the attitude I had, you know, I mean, initially I'll be honest with you. I was a little scared. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a first responder and you're out there running calls and stuff. And you're like, man, is this going to kill me? Is this going to, am I going to take this home to my family? Is it going to kill them? Or what, you know, what is, what is up with this? But a lot of it, you know, I think there was a lot of hype involved too. And, you know, being out, I've been out running calls in this environment for the last two, two, two and a half years that this has been going on and I haven't caught it once. My family hasn't caught it. I don't know anybody who's, you know, had any crazy, you know, deaths in their family. I'm, I don't know anybody who's died of it. And and I'm, you know, there are people out there, um, but I've just been lucky. You know, I've been lucky to be able yeah. to stay away from it and get through it without any hardship so far, knock on wood. Um, but I think it's, it's important for people, you know, to not fear death, just get out there, enjoy life. And, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No matter, no, no matter what, I mean, 
you can't control that. And so I am so thankful for the opportunity to get outdoors and, and enjoy these things still, even through this, this craziness that we've had. And, and I'm glad to hear that other people like you have too, and, and haven't let that stop them. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've been sick, but I stay home. I get better in a couple of days later, I go back out, you know? Um, and it just, you just live life. And, uh, it's refreshing to, to see that there's so many people now going to the expos and so many people getting back out there and, um, man, it's great. I love meeting people like you and chase. And I mean, I met chase at FJ summit, you know, years ago. And it was funny. We were, we pulled up to FJ summit with, we had a, a Smitty built scout trailer then too. I just picked up another one today. As a matter of fact, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Looks yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm stoked, man. It's like a blank canvas, but we, uh, we had done like some, I don't know, some YouTube video walk around thing that wasn't even great. You know, it was when we first started this and he saw it and then was following us and stuff. And our Instagram started kind of gaining some traction. And then we went out to, to FJ summit and I got out of my car and I'm walking across this field and Chase like, Hey, Anderson Overland. And he like waves me down and stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I felt like a celebrity, you know? And he comes over with his wife and they introduce themselves. Super awesome people, as you know. And, uh, and the rest is history. And we became friends and we ended up being on the same, some of the same trails together. And, and, uh, now, you know, years later, we're, you know, good buddies and it just the community that, like we said, that it creates and the opportunity for people to just expand the horizons. Like you said before, you know, you, you go into this, you know, kind of with, you know, a, that green experience, you know, like, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to figure it out. And you have people like getting their rig stuck and, you know, getting in little bits of trouble and stuff. But as long as you're not getting hurt or you're not hurting other people, like that stuff's good. You know, it's good for you to go through those things and kind of learn the way out of stuff and, and how to figure things out on the trail and be safe, safer. And, um, it's good, man, all the way around. I've learned so many things about four by four. I've been off-roading since I was a kid, but you know, I've learned so much in the last six, seven years that I've been doing this, you know, um, that I will, I could never get, you know, before just priceless experiences and, um, you know, work throughs that I've had to do out on the trail and camping and out on the road. And, and what's awesome too, is the amount of people that have helped us when we've needed help out on the trail, out on the road and we're out, you know, in places. And that is just absolutely amazing, dude, that there are people out there still. And I think that probably 99% of the people in the overlanding community are like that. They're, we're all like-minded, like, you know, you see Chase stop on the side of the road, pulling people out, or, you know, we've stopped and pulled Jeeps out up in, you know, Uray, Colorado on, you know, a million dollar highway that went off the side. And, you know, you just, you just want to help and you want to be involved and you want to teach people what you've learned. And that's what this podcast is all about. And the Anderson Overland as a whole is just exposing more people to this, guiding them, teaching them, um, and encouraging them to get out and do what we do because it is so awesome. And there's nothing like it, you know, that's a beautiful thing, man. I mean, that's, that's the thing that probably surprised me the most when I really got to know a bunch of these vendors that I'm working with and started going to these shows. And maybe it's because as I already mentioned, like I'm a lawyer by trade, so I'm a little bit cynical, Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the, the community that I've gotten to know has been so incredibly welcoming, like yeah. from everyone, from, from guys who could, you know, who are way busy with their, uh, YouTube channels, like Justin McBride, I sent him messages a long time ago when I was first getting my Bronco and I found out he was a Bronco ambassador. I didn't even expect him to respond to me, 
but I had questions about something that he was reviewing and we started chatting and, you know, it, it works out that like, uh, I end up going out to see heretic studios for the led lights and trail racks for their, uh, rack. And, uh, Justin works with them and he was doing social media for one of them at the time. And then before I know it, like him and I are out on the pony express trail doing uh he's making a video and showing me this route that I'd never seen before. That's cool. And, uh, it's just like repeated stories like that. I went out after the last overland expo with, with chase. I'd only known him from one other time running into him at, uh, you know, another show and, uh, then just like, you know, liking each other's posts on Instagram. I feel like a little fanboy, but, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's amazing and, right. and it's genuine. That's the thing. Like, yeah, there's people that are just out there and they understand why they're there, why they're doing it. They have appreciation for anyone else who's trying and not making an ass of themselves. Right. And, you know, if you're just out there for the same reasons that you find that the community is just so welcoming, it's it's really nice because it's it's an intimidating thing to be working these big mechanical beasts on uneven terrain. Yeah. And, you know, not having, you know, anytime you hit a new route, it's it's new. Uh, yeah. You don't know yeah. what to expect. And you've got, you know, a nice little convoy of other vehicles with you and people on the radios telling you what to do and spotting you. And like, man, is there not a better thing to like experience something new and beautiful out in the world than yeah. to like just have a bunch of like-minded people there to make sure you have a good time too? Yeah, man. It's the best. It is. I know that's what I loved so much about the FJ Summit, that event up in Colorado that we did. And, uh, man, it was just like that. You're just with a bunch of like-minded people and you're out there and, you know, like you said, if you're a beginner and you're, you, you don't have much experience, you've got such a plethora of people on the trail with you, you know, 15, 20 other vehicles that you can, you can ask anybody, anything. And, you know, there was a couple jackasses that we had with us here and there, but mostly well, everybody, yeah, <laughs> mostly everybody was just super professional, super helpful, super humble. Um, and I just, really appreciated that. And it made you feel so much more confident being out there, especially, I mean, me with, you know, my family and my little ones and stuff. And back then kind of just getting into, you know, that kind of, you know, trail riding and, and, uh, it was intimidating. Yeah, it, it was, especially when you're, you know, doing imaging for the first time or, you know, you're coming, you know, around something, uh, you know, black bear or, you know, Ophir or whatever. And there's, there's some gnarly train up there, man. And you're just like, dude, this is sketchy. Like you're white knuckled for part of it, you know, but you, you get through these obstacles and you're like, man, like I didn't know that I was capable of doing this mentally, physically. And not only that, but the vehicle that I'm, I'm driving, man, it gives you so much more confidence. I mean, just daily driving or just, you know, you come across something or you got to go through something in a storm or whatever comes across you, you know, I, I've built my confidence up so much with driving. It's just, I feel like I, this is kind of cliche, but like, I feel just like unstoppable. Like I could just get through anything, but at the same time, you got to stay, you know, level headed and humble and be like, okay, like don't get stupid and think you can go through something that's going to get you in trouble. And that's where, you know, common sense and experience comes into play too. But, um, but you know, it makes you just feel like, gosh, this, vehicle is going to get me out of, you know, virtually anything I ask it to, um, just short of, you know, some crazy dangerous situation, obviously that just, you know, shit happens, but 
yeah, I've just been endlessly impressed by the people that we've we've met, the people that we've been out with out on the trail and, and these vehicles. Like you said, these machines we're driving around are just yeah, absolutely insane. You know, and what's crazy is, you know, probably 80%, 90% of people out there driving these things don't get to push these things like we are. Mm-hmm. They never, ever see the capabilities and they'll never push them to their their um, full potential. And that's that's all also like in insane to me to think about, you know, like these pavement princess trucks driving on the street, even ones that are done up like Overland, you know, off-road rigs that just, they never see anything but pavement, uh, you know, and you're like, gosh, yeah. like what a waste of money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, probably 80 to 90% of the SEMA builds that I've seen out yes. there. Yeah. I, it was funny. I had a, a friend call me last week and she is building a, oh man, I think it's like a, 70s or 80s bronco it's it's freaking bad to the bone dude and they're doing a full like restore rebuild on it and stuff and mm. she wants some help building a instagram um uh you know community and and uh building up a page and stuff and i'm like yeah i'd be more than happy to help you and i'm like you know are you guys gonna get it off-road and you know overland and stuff she's like well it's more like you know a show truck and you know we might get off road a little bit but i'm like man I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't even know that realm. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm the type of guy that's out there like pushing the products and, you know, putting the the truck through the paces. And so I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know how to, how to help her in the show truck, you know, thing other than I was like, well, you know, just documenting the build, I think will be hugely beneficial to you. You know, I think a lot of people would want to see that content from, you know, from the start of the concept of this rebuild to, you know, finish and, and stuff. But, um, it's just funny, man. Like, you know, think, you think about, like you said perfectly, like SEMA, there's so many vehicles that SEMA are like, dude, that thing's never going to see dirt ever, you know? And the, the amount of money that they put into these things, you're just like, dude, I wish I had the budget to do that to my vehicle, yeah. you know? And these, these people are never using these things out there, but I get it too. They're, they're, you know, they're showing those products. They're, you know, showcasing, you know, new stuff that they're putting out. So there, there definitely is a need for that, but it's just so funny, man. Like, um, you know, pavement princess, you know, <laughs> kind of thing out there, but yeah, I, I did. I saw your rig at, at, uh, Expo and Flagstaff. That thing is pretty sick. Mm-hmm. Um, where, thank you, thank you. where, where's your like favorite, you know, where's your favorite place you've taken that so far? Like, what have you, what have you done? Uh, have you done Colorado yet or anything out there? So Colorado's on my list. I uh, haven't been out there yet, but I, I definitely want to try and get there. I was trying to get there uh, for either the Mountain West Expo yeah. uh, or the Bronco Supercell, but I've got some family things going on around the same time. So I probably have to just make a trip up there on my own. It's really hard though to to nail down like a favorite because where I'm at in Northern California, you pick a direction and you go and you'll find like a new biome, a new like geographic <laughs> feature, something yeah. that you've just not seen before. Or even if you have, there's like 40 other trails that you could have chose instead. Yeah. yeah, It's amazing to be up here. Um, you know, I thought I had seen mountains in California coming from New Jersey where it's all flat and beaches. So I come right. to California, I go to the coast, I hit Big Sur, I go to Death Valley, there's mountains there. But then I just went up to Oregon and there's like the Three Sisters Mountains, there's uh, Mount Hood and like all this stuff that just like blows me away 
Yeah. And every time I see new stuff, I'm just like fascinated by it. So isn't that rad though? I mean, that, that it, it does that to you though. You know, you go to these places and you're like, what in the, it's crazy. Like how much that opens up your life to all these different places and different scenery and different experiences. I, uh, I love, I mean, I know you've probably already hit this, but I love, uh, I don't know, maybe three hours east of you, Lake Tahoe, Kirkwood area, mm-hmm. like South Lake Tahoe, man. We've done some of the most awesome off-roading uh, out of Kirkwood area up and over to yeah. the peaks. I think it's called, um, oh man, I think it was called Blue Water Lake that we went to um, near Kirkwood. And my God, I've got a video. If you haven't seen, it's a real on our Instagram of us going up this little ridge and bypassing this big patch of snow. And that's mm-hmm. in that area. It's like we camped in the spot called hope Valley. If you haven't experienced that yet, man, you have to go. It, your center's so close. Um, I think you come out of Placerville if I remember and you go okay. up that way. I'm familiar and, with uh, the area. I haven't done that one. So maybe we'll share a pin later on. Yeah, for sure. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll share some spots with you, but yeah, you go up through Placerville, you pass Kirkwood ski resort, which will be on your right. And you take this road up to Hope Valley, which is like South of Lake Tahoe and you camp there. And there's just the most awesome, most bitchin camp spots. And I think there's, yeah. it's called Scott's Lake, which is above that camping area, which is another awesome place. You can take this off-road trail up to great fishing and just amazing up there. But, um, between Hope Valley and Kirkwood, there's a trail and I'll have to, I'll have to, um, send it to you and it's not bad. Other than that one spot that had snow in it, but it, I guess it just depends on the time of year you go through there. We just, I just said, screw it and went up this like little cliff face next to it, just bypassed it. But man, it's such, such cool over, overlanding back there and off-roading stuff, man. It's gorgeous. Like you said, this like, no, no matter what direction you go, you know, pretty much from, from here or from where you're at, it's just endless, man. There's just endless yeah. places to go, especially like Pacific Northwest. I mean, Mount St. Helens. I've been all through Mount St. Helens area and Cougar and all that up there in Washington, dude. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Highly recommend you to go up there and check that out too. Yeah, that's awesome. I I wish that I had more exposure to this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm so fortunate that I've been able to travel in my life and get out of New Jersey and, and be able to see this stuff because to be honest with you, like up until, uh, probably, right after law school, like my mind, I've been to Europe, um, law school, I actually skied the Alps. And that was like one of the most like insane terrains that I had ever been exposed to. No but, way. Like, I really awesome. didn't understand that. Like all this stuff was here in the U S too. Yeah. Um, I just didn't have the fortune of being exposed to it back then. Um, but you know, you, you have kids or at least one, right? I have two. I have a, I have a 12 year old daughter and a two year old son, <laughs> kind of a, a large span. Two year old might not get it just yet. Uh, yeah. but have you been out with your daughter at all? Oh at, man. Like, yeah. Some of these places since she could start walking, we had her out. Yeah. yeah. She's been on everything with us. Does she love it? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the reason that we, part of the reason we decided to go like just full bore into this, this, uh, lifestyle was to just get her away from the normal mundane, you know, just sit in front of the computer, you know, the, the TV or, you know, iOS device or whatever we wanted to get out. It wanted to get her out there and to be able to touch and feel and smell and experience these, these tangible things, you know, out on the trail and in these beautiful areas that some we had been to in our lifetimes and some most we haven't actually, we hadn't mm-hmm. been to, 
Um, and yeah, that was really important to us. And I think it's important for our listeners out there too, to focus on getting your kids out away from all this just day-to-day BS that, you know, comes through the boob tube, whatever you want to call it. Um, and get out there and show them life, you know, don't, don't show them life through a freaking digital, you know, TV screen, you know, and, um, that's super important to me. And, and I highly respect people that do the same thing. You know, I think it's great. And I wish, you know, my, and sometimes you can't obviously, and my parents, um, weren't able to get out and do that. Um, but I think if they had the ability, they would have, you know, they weren't big Mm -hmm. into, uh, into camping much, but you know, they, we did other things, you know, that were, you know, we went on trips and stuff to Lake Tahoe and places all the time, but we just didn't camp, you know? Um, but looking back, I wish that we would have more, I wish I would have, after I got married or moved out of the house, I wish I would have taken more opportunities to take my dad out with me and go do guys trips and stuff. And unfortunately he passed before I was able to take advantage of that. Um, you know, looking back, just like Chase's father passed away too. You know, we've had that conversation where you look back and you're like, man, like that's my biggest regret. I wish I would have spent more time with, you know, my dad, you know, doing stuff like this. Um, because it's just so, it's so important. It's so good for your soul. And it's just so resetting, I guess. Like, you know, I go and I go to work and, you know, you, you have the stresses of work and just the, the routine and just everything that comes into that. And, uh, as soon as you leave the driveway and you start heading out to these places, it's just like you, you take this burden off you and you leave it behind, behind, you know? And it's just so like, I don't know, man, like the feeling that it gives you the, you know, when you're just sitting in a, in a, you know, a beautiful spot and just sucking it in, man, there's just nothing like it. I've never experienced anything that has been, more awesome than being out in the woods and just getting that vitamin D first thing in the morning and enjoying yep. the, 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 you know, the, the fresh air and just, it's everything that comes with it. And you, you can't really explain it until you've been out there and done it, you know, like, Oh yeah, I've been out camping, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But when you've been like camping, when you're out in the middle of freaking BFE it's for different. a couple of weeks at a time. Yeah. It's way it's exposure, different. This, this exposure to new experiences just adds this like intangible perspective on, on things. And yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter where you are in your life or what it is in particular that it's hard to place your finger on. I know I see you like trying to explain this thing. You just got to do it. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But just seeing things that are bigger than you and just like putting the, the earth in perspective and putting you and your life in perspective, you come back to work not just refreshed from having being disconnected from the constant barrage of everything on social media and the news and whatnot, right. but just a, a different outlook. And you just kind of, I don't know, I always feel more at peace when I'm back, even yeah. if I'm stressed about, you know, now I got to respond to emails and catch up <laughs> on things. It's still, it comes with a different perspective every time. And yeah. It's, it's yeah. Great. You know, what I found too, is that it doesn't matter if I'm out for a night or two, or if I'm out for weeks, it's the same feeling when you come back, you know, Yeah. like you just feel like, Oh, even just that night away was so refreshing. I just needed that, you know? Um, so I encourage people listening out there, get out there. I mean, even if it's a weekend or if it's a night or two, uh, one night's almost not enough, but two, at least two, <laughs> two nights is so good for you to get out and, and, uh, you know, even if it's like, you know, like, uh, Frank said, just getting out to the beach or something and, 
don't camp on the beach or, you know, go out into the hills behind your house and go find a trail and go camp out in the woods. And, you know, don't be afraid of it. Just get out and do it. It's awesome. When I'm taking these photos, I'm, I'm always trying to capture the, the essence of like, what was it about this shot and the scene and like where I was standing that made me just kind of like stop and pause and just kind of yeah. think like, wow, this is a, this is a moment for me. And it's, it's so hard to get that in a camera and you'll never get exactly that. Right. Like my hope is that these photos are encouraging people to go do the thing, not just to like, look at it, like it and go about their business. Like it, I, if I can convince one person just to like start a lifestyle of like doing this on occasion uh, like that is inspiring and that that makes me want to do it more oh me too me too yeah you know what's rad too about that is to be able to look back at those photos and videos from years past and and it takes you right back to that spot and that feeling yeah you know and uh, i'll scroll through my instagram sometimes because i you know maybe i didn't save those photos on my you know machine or whatever like and look back at easily but i can scroll through those hundreds of photos on Instagram and be like, Oh man, I remember that night. Or I remember that spot with my daughter. Or I remember like what we were talking about. And it just brings back so many amazing memories that will just stay with you for the rest of your life, you know? And, and, um, like I said, it's priceless, man. There's, there's nothing that compares in my mind. And, um, it's just such a great thing. What, what did you think about, I know you and Chase just went, uh, up Schnebly Hill and all that. What did you think about Sedona and wheeling up there? Uh, another beautiful place. I mean, the color and everything out there was just popping and, yeah. um, you know, the, the rocks formations with the, the green of the shrubbery and stuff that was out there. I mean, it was, it was really cool. Uh, we happened to go down a pretty crowded trail, uh -huh. but, uh, to the point of what we were just talking about, I mean, good for all the people getting out there was the, the pink Jeep tours out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. where, you know, like it's people, it's amazing actually like there are people who don't have the means to do it themselves they hop right. on a on a tour and instead of just you know doing some cookie cutter tour of you know city sightseeing which has its own benefits and not knocking sure. it sure. entirely yeah but they they pay to have somebody get them out there and you know they're still experiencing those same things just a little, in a little bit different way uh you know the smiles on on people's faces as we're you know, crossing paths and riding by them. Uh, it was still camaraderie. Oh yeah. And being open to the air too. Like when the way that you sit in those things, like, yeah, they kind of almost have like state, if I remember right, they have like almost like stadium seating in there yep. and you're open to the air and stuff, man. It's so rad. I know we passed a couple. It was, it was funny. We were going up Schnebly Hill with our first scout trailer and I'm pulling this thing up and there's a couple little stair steps and some, you know, not really challenging, but you know, some little spots where you got to, you know, four by four through it. And I remember, I'll never forget this is pink Jeeps coming down and I stop and wait and pull over for them a little bit. And this guy comes up and he stops and he rolls down his window and he's like, Hey, are you going to take that thing up this? And I'm like, yeah, like I can't back up. I can't turn around, you know? And he's like, dude, like it's going to be a challenge for you. Like this is like no joke. I'm like, uh, I'll be fine, man. I'm good. And honestly, when he drove away, I looked at my wife and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, what, what did we just get ourselves into? <laughs> well, I, you know? Yeah, I'm like, I can't like turn around here. Like, I didn't know that there was, you know, any places up above us that we could turn on, turn around, which there were. But I was like, oh, shoot, like I, I'm committed now. And we we went up and it was no big deal. And thank God that was like 
second to the last pink Jeep that was coming down. We were going up to the top of the ridge up there mm-hmm. from town. And uh, it was it was simple. It was like no big deal. But, you know, but I was like, there was a couple spots where I'm like, oh, man, hopefully it doesn't get any worse than this. Because if it does, this is going to be a challenge. But I've had that trailer in some much more challenging places since then. And the capabilities of that thing are just insane. So, but like I said, that just builds your confidence to be able to do other trails and stuff with it. But I remember specifically that area (laughs) that time just being like, oh my God, what did I just get us into? But yeah. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I, I highly recommend that too. I mean, there's not a lot of people that have, maybe not. They, maybe they don't have the means to buy a rig or outfit a vehicle, you know, and I totally get that. I mean, psh- especially right now with gas price and everything else, the inflation of stuff, totally get that. But man, if you can get out to these places, you know, if you can afford to drive to Sedona and book one of those pink Jeeps, I think they've got them in other places. Also the pink Jeep corporate or their, their business. Um, they're in some other different, you know, spots too. And if you can get on something like that, or even like the side-by-side world too, like go rent mm-hmm. a couple side-by-side or do like a guided you know, tour and a UTV up some of these trails, man, like there is nothing that compares to that. It's awesome. You know, you're getting to drive another type of four by four rig and, you know, and have a great time with your family and be open to the air. And I mean, I love when we're on the trail, unless it's like crazy dusty, I love like open up all the windows and the the moonroof and just getting all the smells and the sounds and the water and it's all part of it. It is, man. I love it so much. Um, have you ever been to, uh, the end of the world, which is between Flagstaff and Sedona. Have you been out there? That's on my list too. We were, I was thinking about going there after uh, Expo West, but uh, we only had time to get to Sedona there. But yeah, that's, that's another one on my list. Definitely yeah. got my, my mind on the drone shot that I'm going to get when I Heck get there, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's obligatory. Dude, there's some rad spots to get photography and stuff down there. And I mean, drone shots are insane. It gets a little windy up there. Um, but yeah, the drive out there seems like, gosh, from where we, we took it from expo, um, you know, the, uh, Fort Tuttle or whatever campground or fairgrounds all the way to end of the world off road. And that was, Oh my God, it took forever. But on the way back, we found another route that went to the 89 a or the seven or yeah, the 89 a. And I was like, Oh man, if we would have just come in that way, it would have been way shorter. But that was a rad spot, man. Overlooking Oak Creek Canyon and all of Sedona from up there. Oh my God. It was insane there. Yeah. I, I just can't even explain it. You got to get up there. You have to experience that, man. The photography up there, especially at sunset with all the, the, you know, the, the sun rays hitting all the different peaks, you know, down in the valley. Oh my God. Yeah. It's unreal. Unreal. And this is, these are places that you would never know were even there, you know? Unless you were like, Hey, let's drive down this trail and see what the hell's at the end of it. And that's what I do a lot of times. And I've made the mistake of doing that a couple of times and gotten into some trouble and almost destroyed my truck. Thank God. Uh, I had the skill sets just from experience to get around these obstacles without doing so. (laughs) But 
yeah. man, there's been some, some trails where I was like, Oh my God, what the hell was I thinking coming down this? That turned into a side-by-side trail. And one of them, I went up this one in the Wallapai mountains, which is East of here. It's between here and Kingman or, um, between Kingman and Flagstaff, as a matter of fact. And, uh, it was just a normal like fire road, you know, totally wide, just no problem freeway, you know, going up the hit, the mountain and stuff. And, and then it started getting super steep and it was still pretty wide, like no big deal. And it got more narrow and more narrow and more narrow and became into like turned into a side-by-side trail. And I pinstriped the living crap out of our forerunner for like three miles. And there was nothing oh, I could do gosh. about it. It was like, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, it was probably, I don't know maybe like a 8% grade going up this ridge, super sandy. So it was like, there was no backing down unless you wanted to roll down it. And uh, I just had to go and it was just like <laughs> along the forerunner for three or four miles, dude, straight. And oh, it was the most horrible sound and just feeling like there's nothing I can do about this. Like this is forever going to be. It hurts to hear <laughs> it was even horrible. more so probably because like every time I'm hitting a trail, I don't know. And I'm in the front and it starts to get even a little bit narrow. That's what I imagine is about to happen next. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons I got it wrapped as soon as I got it. But uh, yeah, there's nothing you can do when it's uh, extremely sharp branches or rock even worse. I didn't even so, think about wrapping it. That's a great idea, man. What a, yeah. What a great option. I, if, yeah, man. The, the wrap's been working out really well. Uh, really? I've got, I've got two different kinds on it. So there's a, there's a matte PPF. So it's a paint protection film. It's thicker than a typical vinyl wrap, which you would see on sports cars. Uh-huh. Um, it's clear with a matte finish. Um, it's called Supreme defense by Avery Dennison. Huh. Um, but What's nice about it is it's a self-healing. So if you get light scratches and pinstripes, which I've gotten plenty of, uh, it actually in the sun, in the heat, will just kind of bake it back into being smooth again without any what? visible effect. And I know wow. that it works because I have uh, tip your regular vinyl graphics as the black pattern that's on the sides. Yeah. So the stripes are just a thin vinyl. And if you look uh, after I watch it, if you look at it really closely, you'll see that there's like tons of very light lines going through it. And yeah. as soon as you get to the the clear part, the matte cactus gray part, there's nothing. So wow. I know that it's working really well. There's only very few spots where like it's taken a sharp rock at high speed or something. It put a little, little puncture in it or something like that, but it's doing really well. And, the beauty is like after a couple of years, you pull it off, put something, you know, put it right back on a, a new layer of film. It's a little costly, but like if you're only doing it every few years, it sure as hell beats a paint job and, oh, yeah. you know, riding around with a bunch of stripes that you don't need, especially if you're, you know, I'm trying to be at shows and stuff to, to show it off. But um, yeah, it's been a, a really good investment. That's awesome, man. I didn't even know that, that there was any such thing as, a film that you could put like a wrap film to protect it like that. I wish, I wish I would have known that before. I, I've thought about wrapping the foreigner actually, uh, you know, in the past, but man, if I knew they had a product like that, I probably would have done that way before I should have. Yeah. And some people make the do vinyl cause they want a color. Right. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to have someone, you know, pay someone like a gob of money to detail that thing to try and get, you know, some of these things out. And I think there's, there's, 
way too many that are, you know, uh, into the clear coat, but my daughter, my daughter says with every scratch is a memory. So it's just, it's what it is. I guess. Good perspective. That's <laughs> the right way to think about it. Yeah. Um, you know, for people thinking about doing it, you definitely want to get it done before any damage is done because they have to do a paint correction before mm. they apply it. Otherwise it'll number one, it'll exacerbate like what it looks like because it yeah. won't lay smooth. And then it'll also potentially fail like the adhesive and it'll bubble up if there's scratches underneath it. So oh, it's right. like one of the first things that I wanted to do so that I didn't have, uh, because I, I took it off road, uh, within 24 hours after getting it. Uh, and I was very nervous that I was going to mess it up. I brought it into the shop, uh, that week and, uh, they were already kind of mad at me because there was dirt and dust from, uh, oh from the, the desert we were out in the, I think the Mojave desert at the uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was just ripping it up cause I just wanted to use the damn thing. I'd been waiting yeah. for you know, since 2004. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, they got a little mad that there was some, some dust in every crevice of the truck already. Uh, but there were no scratches. So we, we got it all set up. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. That's an awesome option to have, man, to be able to do that. That's rad. Yeah. And the other thing uh, I'll just point out uh, that you, you don't want to get just the vinyl wrap because vinyl is a lot thinner. It's a lot softer. Um, in some brands, I think it's actually softer than your uh, clear coat on a regular paint job. Uh-huh. Uh, so the the PPF is a higher density and it's got a hydrophobic top coat. So it cleans off much easier and it's the if it's not a PPF, it won't potentially protect against those scratches that you're trying to be careful about. Wow. Where would people go, um, to, to, uh, check that out or what, what would, who would you recommend that they, uh, get a hold of to start that process? Yeah. I mean, it's, I've seen a lot of people try and do it themselves to save money, but it's a really difficult thing to do correctly. Um, there's, you can watch YouTube videos and you can try it. If you're only doing things like your front bumper, like your, your hood, uh, then, you know, sure. Buy a roll or whatever and and look it up. There's companies like Avery Dennison does mine. I know there's, there's other ones that are, uh, Expel is another one that's pretty popular. Uh, but try and find a local shop that can do it. And most of what you're paying for is going to be the labor, I've mm-hmm. seen prices range quite a bit, um, but like the the higher cost in labor usually equates to more attention to detail around the edges, wrapping the film around a, a let an edge of your uh, door or something like that, so that the edge isn't exposed. Uh, my shop actually like removes all the handles, removes all uh, the fenders and and everything, and makes sure oh, that it cool. wraps around so that nothing gets in between and starts to pull the, the material off. Cause then it'll just start looking really bad and won't be protecting you. Yeah. Go the extra mile to just to pull and strip those things that are, that make it a lot higher quality in the long term. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. you don't want to do it again it, until you need to. Yeah. Uh, but if it starts to peel away after like, you know, a couple months and as soon as you start hitting dirt, which you know, if you're doing it on an overlanding rig, obviously you're going to get it pretty dirty right yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. um, it's it's pretty important that you get it done right. Right. Yeah. We got this crazy fine dust, man, that gets in everything. Like if I'm out here wheeling 
for any length of time in in my uh, my backyard out here, the, my seal around my windshield starts squeaking because they just get it just such fine dust. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, you pretty much after every trail run have to come back and clean your filters and everything out because it just it gets into everything. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, nothing's been worse for me than my trip to Baja. And I want to talk about your the interview that you had with the guy from Legends. Is that yeah, yeah, with Nathan? Uh, yeah, man, I had just gotten back from Baja. And I heard that podcast and my God, did I want to go back? Uh, you know, that I, I thought I had a good time, but, but <laughs> what he talked about and the things he must know about down there, but, uh, oh, I know, trip, man. Yeah. It was one of the first times that I've actually found mud. Cause as you know, it doesn't really rain here in California. Right. Um, and so I had a blast getting my truck muddy and I've got photos of it where it looks like a, a clay model. Like it was like, it was literally uh, carved out of clay. Uh, <laughs> That's but awesome. I will never get that mud off in certain places right, in my truck. Right. And you know, thank God I had the wrap on all of the exterior and the parts that you can see, but as right. soon as you open the doors and pop the hood and look underneath, like there is so much that I'll, I'll have a little bit of Baja with me forever. Forever. <laughs> In fact, I had trouble. Uh, this is a true story. I had trouble coming back across the border because the Department of Agriculture, like when they look at your truck, yeah. I had so much mud on me that they made me pull into a bay and actually scrape a bunch of it off because they said I was taking too much Mexican soil back into the U.S. So What? Yeah, you think you're hiding drugs underneath the freaking mud? I, I think on it your just vehicle. has to do with some <laughs> uh, like soil and agriculture rules. But uh, yeah, apparently I was, uh, you know, committing some kind of felony by by bringing what too much mud heck? on my truck. So we, wow. we had to bang off a bunch of mud from the fenders and the wheels and and uh, brush a bunch off. And well, I've never heard of such, such a thing. That's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry, sir, you have got to, too much mud on your vehicle. Impressed, but yeah. Yeah, they just wanted to check it out further and make you do something ridiculous while they checked out your rig for for longer. Yeah, I don't think they had seen a lot of Broncos at the time. Right. Yeah, dude, that those trips down there with Nathan, oh my God, sound insane. I know I've talked to a couple people since then, and uh, they're like, dude, we got to put something together and go down as a group with Nathan and just go out for a week or two. And man, that'd be epic i can't even imagine i don't know if chase is allowed to bring his bronco outside the u.s i think you could probably ask for permission or forgiveness um you know (laughs) but i think he'd be down dude we we should man i know my my buddy uh brandon who's been a good friend of mine for a while um he owns uh topo terra and they build overland rigs to rent out and they send them down to nathan from legends overlanding and they'll leave them like in cancun or wherever like these freaking you know BFE, you know, <laughs> locations and they drop them off and people come grab them and they take them for a month or what, you know, however long they need them. And, um, he said, dude, I've driven stuff down to like freaking Ensenada, you know, uh, Ensenada and just dropped them off, met people and driven home. And, you know, like within just a couple hours, you know, back and forth. And, um, he's got a partnership with Nathan. So whenever Nathan has a client that has that need, Brandon provides him with those vehicles. And so they've got a really great, you know, relationship and Brandon's been down there a bunch and man, I, uh, I think it might be something on the docket here real soon to put something together. And, uh, maybe I've been thinking about putting a trip together, which I'm going to with everybody or hopefully everybody that's been on the podcast 
and we've got a spot picked and we've kind of got a plan, but I might have to do it again and do a Baja trip or something in addition to that. Cause man, it sounds like That'd be just the most epic place to go down there. Just untouched, you know, like California untouched, you know, but also Crazy. knowledge, right? I mean, like that's, that's yeah, the beauty yeah. of what he's doing. Oh, the knowledge um, is yeah, priceless. I started a company with a couple of friends when I was living down in Florida. Uh, I got, I made really good friends with uh, a guy and his wife who were very much like of the wanderlust lifestyle. And uh, they ended up going out to Bali, Indonesia, and they spent, they were supposed to spend 30 days out there. 30 days turned into 60, turned into 90. Uh, They've been living out there for, I think, seven years now. Um, And as soon as they committed to starting to live out there, they were like, there's so many things that we're learning, so many things that we're doing. Um, You, uh, our buddy Max, why don't we all put together kind of a a tour service where it'll be like a fitness retreat, but we'll incorporate all this local knowledge. So it won't just be people coming to Bali, going to bars and staying in a resort and then leaving. We'll bring them to, you know, local restaurants that we like, we'll bring them on, uh, hikes and, and trails and things that we learned from living out there. And, uh, we did it, we put it together. I went on the first trip, uh, as like one of the guides, even though I hadn't really been there, I had learned all the things that they explained to me about what we were doing and I was experiencing it all. Uh, me and the other guy, Max took a photo and videos uh, for everybody in this way, like everyone got the kind of like Instagram experience where, you know, we were taking their photos for them so that they could just focus on the trip and they yeah. didn't have to be out there holding their cameras and doing selfies and things like that. But the, they're, they're still running, uh, the company out there and they've expanded to locations in South America, uh, to Mexico. I think they're going to Tulum for the first time, wow. uh, coming up in a couple months. They went to Portugal, Costa Rica, but the thing about it is that they spend the time in those places and they learn about a bunch of local knowledge. They, yeah, they talk yeah. to the people there. They talk to the waiters at the restaurants. They talk to the people, uh, like everyone that they can get involved with. And they find, you know, what are the people who live here doing? What is right. their culture? And let's expose people to that so that they don't have to do that learning. We'll, we'll teach them. We'll show them. Yeah. And that's when I heard what he's doing in Baja, it's the same idea just with Overland and yeah. a, a little different vibe, but it's, it's awesome. And I, I want to go on one of his trips so bad. I know I do too, man. Absolute genius. I know he's like, you know, we, I didn't know that, you know, I needed a full kitchen and, you know, a chef, but I needed that, you know, (laughs) he's like, it's epic. Like we have this like mobile kitchen that just follows us out there. And, uh, man, the stories that he was telling during that podcast are just amazing and being up on, you know, in the Sierras and looking off both ends, you know, West and East and seeing the ocean and, oh man, just unreal. I know I, I really want to, want to get down there with him. Uh, he's a pretty interesting guy too, to talk to We've actually talked since then. And, uh, we want to do another podcast cause we just went on these crazy tangents just cause we were, we we're a lot alike in, in a lot of ways. We have a lot of the same interests and it just sparked all this crazy conversation, but there's a lot more that we wanted to talk about, but trying to keep it, you know, uh, the time down, um, which I still had to do like two, like 
two parts of that podcast to get yeah. the whole thing in. But, uh, yeah, Nathan's a rad dude, but yeah, we should definitely try and plan something, man. I, I think, uh, maybe next year that's going to have to be on the, uh, the list of, of trips, but do you have anything coming up that, I mean, other than some of the expos, I know we're going to try and get to, uh, the, the Arizona off-road and camping expo. I think it's in Mormon, Mormon Lake lodge or something, which is like Southeast of Flagstaff. And then we're going to, expo mountain west um also are you mm-hmm. you got any plans of going to that one or you kind of mentioned that before yeah i'm i'm trying to see if i can work that out but i think i the the two weekends of uh there's a bronco supercell west in colorado and there's uh the ex overland expo mountain west those two weekends happen to have some conflicts for me but i'm still trying to see if i can work that out oh you said you have family stuff going on that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's my mom's seventieth birthday. Oh, yeah, so I can't miss that. <laughs> that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe some of the other numbers it would have been a little more reasonable to work out, but uh, that one, that one warrants the trip home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, interestingly enough, talking about my mom for a second, uh, and and one of the things that you had said before. Uh, you know, being able to spend time with your parents or get, getting them the exposure that you didn't have growing up. My mom was my first road trip buddy with my Bronco. No way. Uh, that's awesome. When she knew how excited I was to get it. Uh, she knew how much I loved my original truck back when, when I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and she had been following along as I told her about the updates and when I was getting in, what I ordered and all that. But once I actually got it, uh, I had made plans with a couple of different vendors, uh, a wheel company down at uh, 1552 is the wheel company uh, down in SoCal, uh, American Adventure Lab in St. George, Utah, Heretic Studio and Trail Racks in Salt Lake City. Um, and I had made arrangements with them that I was going to bring my truck out to them because, as I said, I was, you know, the second week of production. Yeah. And when I reached out to them about when they might have products available, they're like, dude, we haven't even seen a Bronco yet. And I said, do you want to? Because <laughs> I can bring it to you. Yeah. And they said, yes. So all of them said the same thing. And so I put together this, this big circuit where I would go down the SoCal up through Vegas and St. George, up to Salt Lake City, across the Salt Flats and Bonneville, through South Lake Tahoe and come back to San Francisco. And I called my mom up. I said, you want to do this with me? And That's she was cool. like, yeah, of course. She had never, first of all, she hates flying, uh, <laughs> terrified of heights. Um, and second, she had never been to the West Coast like ever. She, she wow. did one flight once. Uh, where there was a layover in San Francisco to go to Hawaii, which was uh-huh. huge for her uh, to go visit my cousin when he was stationed out there with me. Uh, but this was the only other time that she'd been out here. And I had never seen most of these places either. I'd been to Vegas before, uh, but I had never driven most of these places that I was going. Right. So it was the perfect opportunity for us. And we just got to kind of bond um, the Bronco passed the mom test as far as 2,500 miles. And she never complained that she was uncomfortable once. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, we went up some, some really high mountains. Uh, I, I forget where it was coming out of SoCal and going up to Vegas. Uh, it's San Bernardino national forest. I think that's where I work as, as a matter of fact. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm a fireman in San Bernardino. There's some altitudes there. 
It's uh, Big Bear Lake and all that. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. right at the base of the San Marino Mountains. That's where actually we lived for the last 20 years until we moved out here to the Colorado River in Arizona. We lived it's in the San Bernardino. Yeah, we lived in Big Bear Lake, which is a huge resort town in the San Bernardino National Forest. Yeah. Yeah, you drive through those up the Cone Pass as you're going to Vegas too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even though we weren't off roading at the time, she got a little worried uh, from the heights and all of that. But <laughs> uh, overall, the trip was a success. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a really great opportunity for us to, to kind of bond over that and get some time together because I, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I'm an only child. My mom's constantly asking me when I'm moving back and I'm constantly (laughs) hunting the question. Uh, But this is some good quality time. And, uh, you you know, to your point earlier, like I I also encourage people not just to get out, but like get out with people that you love, like take, take friends, take family, take, take anyone. Uh, My Baja trip, I took uh, one of my closest college buddies with me. I just called him up just kind of randomly and was like, Hey man, you want to go to Baja with me? He was like, dude, you have no idea how bad I need this. <laughs> yes, I'm in. He's That's like, so rad. also when, and like, what do I need to do? But yes, I'm in. And, you know, just sharing the experience with other people. You have your daughter and your family to to do that with, but like call people up that you haven't seen in a while that, you know, you can tolerate for a couple of days in a car together Yeah, and uh, just get out there, show them something they haven't seen before experience that together. That's another great, great way to, to do this kind of thing. Yeah, I agree, man. Especially after this whole thing that we've been through the last couple of years and just, there's a lot of people that need to uh, kind of have a release and just a mental vacation just to get away from all this. And uh, I think there's probably a lot of people that we both know personally that are very close to us that are probably like, you know, mentally done (laughs) they're just at their limit and they need that and um yeah i agree man totally encourage people to get out there and and do that. that's awesome idea just call up friends and family that you haven't talked to in a while and and uh you know check on them and uh you know number one see how they're doing and and um you know get them out there get them out on trips with you because um yeah i've i've thought about doing that too i've got a couple buddies that are you know that i've had since high school and stuff that are really close to me and family members too, that I've thought about calling me like, Hey, you want to, you want to go out for a week or whatever. And, um, yeah, I think that'd be awesome. That's a great idea, man. Yeah. It's so cool. What a, what a just amazing experience to have with your mom. God, that'd be, that'd be awesome. That yeah. Be it awesome. was uh, a lot of stuff that she was in complete awe, like having grown up her whole life. We, we did travel you know, up and down the, the coast driving, yeah. uh, because she hated flying for you know, <laughs> as long as she's been alive. Right. But uh, we used to travel as a family for Thanksgiving uh, every year. My grandparents were big into traveling. They they took their uh, camper, you know, cross country on more than one occasion. They would always take it down to Florida. But they always encouraged us as a family on my mom's side to to go away every year for Thanksgiving to someplace different. Right. Um, it wasn't crazy national parks, but it was like we'd go to to Plymouth. Uh, Plymouth, Massachusetts to see Plymouth Rock, right? Yeah, and we'd yeah. go to uh, Pennsylvania and go to Hershey Park and we'd go to New York and go to Sleepy Hollow, right. Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Like it was like obscure, but like historic. Historical, or, yeah. Some 
you know, interesting locations that we could get to within a couple of hours. And uh, so like travel was always encouraged in my yeah. family and, yeah. you know, within the means that we had to do it at the time. Yeah. I was the same way, uh, you know, pretty much only child at home. I, I have two older brothers and an older sister and then a younger brother and a younger sister, but we didn't grow up together um, just because of this, the family situation. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of the same thing with us. We didn't camp. We didn't, you know, do a lot of off-roading at all. Um, but we did get out, you know, like I was saying, like we went to Tahoe every summer and got out and did trips and stuff as we were financially able to. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, that was uh, an important part of, you know, our relationship as a family and getting out and experiencing those things. Um, even though it wasn't, you know, really out on the trail and, you know, outdoors much, you know, it was still, you know, getting to these vacation, you know, spots and, um, you know, and I have a lot of great memories with that. And that's what I want to instill in my family too. My kids is to just leave that legacy with them where, you know, when they're our age, you know, they're like, man, I, I remember going with my dad here and we went here and we traveled all over the place as much as we were able to. And I, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm so blessed, man, with the schedule that I have for work. And it's unlike, you know, 99% of people out there. I, I work two days a week. I'm off for four days every, every cycle. And it, I take one shift off. It gives me 10 days off paid. And I take one shift off a month and we disappear. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody can do that every single month of the year. And, not everybody, you know, works 10 days a month, you know, um, like, like I do. And uh, you earn it. Let's, let's be clear. I've seen your stories. So what's that? I said, you definitely earn it. I've seen your stories. (laughs) Uh, you know, it's, it's well-deserved. It's tough work. It it is. Um, it's the most gratifying work I've ever done. It's, it's the best job in the world, but yeah, it's hard sometimes, you know, when you, you don't sleep for 48 hours sometimes or whatever, which is rare, but yeah, it does happen. But man, it is, uh, I feel sometimes like, gosh, I, sometimes I kind of avoid talking about it with people. Cause I don't want to seem like I'm bragging. Cause I feel bad. Like, you know, I've been to the, you know, I've had the nine to five jobs, you know, where I'm just like, Oh God, I can't wait for the weekend. And, um, and I just been blessed enough to, uh, to have the, the career that I have now and, and, um, and get out there more. But yeah, man, that is so rad that you're able to do that with your mom. I, I, uh, my mom lives with my aunt and uncle now as my dad passed away, gosh, seven years ago, um, this year, crazy. Um, and, uh, I've thought about taking her, you know, maybe even up to Lake Tahoe since that's kind of like a spot where Mm -hmm. we spent time together, you know, when I was a kid and stuff, maybe taking her up there and doing kind of a, a camping thing, but she's kind of getting older where it's a little hard for her and, um, and things to, to do that. But man, I guess uh, sooner than later would be better. <laughs> Maybe uh, try and attempt that. That's definitely inspired me to to think about that a little bit more. So that's rad, dude. But um, well, I hope that we get to experience some of these things together um, out there. And um, you know, I want to touch on this too um, before we close it up. But speaking of like new technologies and things that we've kind of been talking about over the podcast, tell us about. I want you to like scratch the surface a little bit on who you work for and tell our listeners what you're, <laughs> what you do. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was actually going to uh, maybe segue into that too, because, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're in a very fortunate position to be able to take some time to, to go work. And I was going to kind of make a joke about how the people that I work with were fully uh, flex schedule. So people can work remote if they want to, and if it works out for them, 
Uh, and people are constantly asking me on meetings, like, where are you this time? Because uh, sometimes <laughs> I dial in from, you know, pretty remote places and yeah, uh, you know, hotspot awesome. in. But uh, yeah, I'm also very fortunate to have a company that uh, as hard as we work, they they respect the need for people to have an ability to unwind and decompress in order to do their best work. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have a very fortunate uh, position there. So I'm the uh, principal product attorney for the ride hail service of Cruise, which is a self-driving car company in San Francisco, wow. basically building robot cars that drive themselves in major cities. Uh, it's going to eventually be a global thing. This is all public information. So I'm, I'm free to share this stuff. <laughs> uh, but we just recently launched our commercial service in San Francisco. So people are actually paying for rides in a car that they're hailing from an app that pick them up and there's no driver behind the wheel. Wow. Uh, there's nobody in the car except the passenger. Wow. And it's, it's pretty wild to see it finally come to fruition. Uh, I joined the company a little over two years ago. And at the time they were still doing test rides with uh, uh, someone supervising the ride. So someone would be sitting behind the wheel uh, ready to take control at any given time. And there'd be another person taking notes on, you know, what's, what's going on and recording all the activities that the car did. They logged millions of miles doing that. Uh, I believe it was millions of miles. Um, they also simulate this stuff in uh, basically a video game engine uh, to keep recreating different types of scenarios and see how the car behaves and how it would work in the real world. And based on all this stuff, eventually we've gotten to the point where uh, statistically uh, what we've been able to represent and show is that, uh, you know, we, we have the safety metrics that we should launch this and the DMV in California and the California public utilities, uh, they regulate this stuff and they agree. So we just recently got a permit. Uh, this is the first company to do this in the U.S. in a major city to be able to charge for rides in a major city in the U.S. So uh, it's pretty pretty substantial milestone for the industry, and it's uh, it's going places. Yeah, like how how do you guys navigate that? As far as like, does this thing only stay on city streets, or does it drive on freeways too, or how? Yeah, so that's that's part of the permitting process. So uh, we chose San Francisco because of the difficulty in uh, navigating because there's so many different variables. There's pedestrians, bikers, uh, roller skaters, uh, trolley cars, bus lanes, everything you could think of uh, in the city, minus the the difficulties of some of the weather stuff. So like the weather can be added on later, I guess. Right, right. Um, I don't want to speak out of turn there on how they chose the, to engineer on, on that stuff, but um, we operate within a certain mapped area and the permits that are given by the, uh, the DMV and the CPUC in California are kind of mapped to that. So we, we start to expand uh, based on time of day and the geographic, the, the geofence of the city that we would operate in. So right now we have a map and that map will expand and we'll operate 24 seven in the full seven, seven by seven mile San Francisco city at a certain point. Once, once the permits are all done, Dang, yeah, that's they, they kind of tear it, they, they set it up so that 
they'll test little by little and expand little by little. And that's kind of how it works. Wow. Have, have you had anybody like that's been like, like nervous about getting into a, I mean, have you had like any feedback from people that were like, man, I'm like yeah, nervous. Or I, uh, yeah. but <laughs> I've taken a ride. Um, have I can you? honestly say that I've done it. And, uh, what I found the, the most interesting to me was the fact that yes, I was, I was a little skeptical. I was a little nervous and I'm behind the scenes. I know that we, you know, that it's safe. Uh, yeah. I, can feel confident doing it. That's why I got in the car, right? You know, you're sitting there and it takes off, it starts to drive and it's driving normal. Uh, and it's driving better than, you know, an Uber driver that I, that I got to take me into the city. Uh, but then, uh, I don't know if it was like 20 minutes into the ride or 30 minutes into the ride, probably like 20 or 25 minutes into the ride. I realized that I'm like, checking my Instagram and, and checking my followers and seeing like what posts I, I just posted and responding to a comment. And I realized like, I'm not even paying attention to what's going just on. Just totally relaxed and just on along for the ride. Whatever that threshold is, like you, <laughs> you reach a certain point where you just start trusting it and you're like, ah, eh, whatever, like it, it'll get me there. And Dude, that's it. Man. It's magical. It's, I it's need amazing. that. I need that technology. If you guys could work on from Mojave Valley, Arizona, right on the Colorado River to San Bernardino, California. That little stretch there, that would be absolutely epic for me. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, do whatever it takes to help you guys <laughs> make that happen. I've been thinking, man, I if there was a, an automated car system, God, it would make my drive so much better. I, I drive like about three to three and a half hours to work in the middle of the night. I leave here at four o'clock in the morning so I can get to work about 730 and, uh, man, there's been some mornings where you're driving, you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, you didn't get good sleep the night before, or it's just, you know, just dozing off and trying to, you know, be as safe as possible and not put your, you know, make a dangerous situation for other drivers. Um, mm -hmm. and there's lots of times where I'm like, okay, it's too much. I pull over and sleep, you know, for a little bit. I usually leave early enough where I have a buffer. Um, especially when the time changes, it's great. Cause I get up at the same time and I have an hour, a full hour earlier. So I usually sleep at, um, about the halfway point to work and get some, you know, an hour in before I continue. Um, but man, how awesome would it be to have that automated, you know, system where you could just jump in the thing and set it and forget it and, you know, and have the confidence to not worry about anything happening from point A to point B. And gosh, that would be awesome to you. That is so cool. You guys are doing that. Like, holy crap, that's insane technology. I mean, I know I'm a previous computer programmer, um, software designer back in my previous life, um, one of oh, my nice. many jobs. And so, yeah, I, I know, uh, you know, obviously not that deep into programming, but I know what it takes to go into, you know, to do that, you know, sort of technology, um, at least scratch the surface of it. And I can't imagine the engineering and the testing and just, oh my gosh, what, what goes into that kind of automated system. That is so rad. You know, I can yeah, imagine it took like, a little longer than they anticipated. I, I know that I the bet, whole, you know, even Elon Musk has been wrong about this, about his timeline. So, um, yeah, but we're, we're finally at the point where like, you can really see it, it's happening and it's, it, there's really no question. You don't even have to be a technologist to understand that like, this is going to happen. It's the yeah. future and it's going to make everyone's lives better it's going to reduce the number of accidents that are happening, the number of fatalities, the scenario that you described. I mean, the, the roadmap for our company, as far as like when uh, highways and like interstate 
type stuff is going to be done is probably a ways out, but yeah, it's yeah. inevitable and it will happen. And the, the beauty of this technology is it just continues with machine learning uh, to, to just get better and better to the yeah. point where, you know, those things are going to be very commonplace. And, you know, I wonder like, I've had this conversation with some of my other buddies that are also uh, programmers and, you know, data scientists and things like that. We wonder like, what's going to be the age where you're having kids? One, one of my buddies just had a, a child. Is that child ever going to drive? You yeah. Know, like yeah. when he's, when he's 17, Seriously. ready for a permit, 17 years from now, the technology that I'm working on uh, is going to, permeate into everything. And it's, uh, you know, I've had this conversation with overlanders too. It's like, well, yeah, I, nobody's yeah. advocating that we take away the manual driving experience. That's, uh, <laughs> right. you know, don't, don't get mad at me for that. We're, we're not trying for that, but, uh, if we can just, you know, make it safer so that you're not worrying about driving during your commute to work and whatnot, and you can just focus on, you know, enjoying your driving, when you want to take it places and, and do that, I mean, man, that, that oh, works yeah. for everybody. Dude, I mean, I'm a prime example. I mean, how much safer would it be for me? I mean, you know, driving through the middle of the night to work back and forth. And especially, you know, for me, uh, those shifts, like my last shift wasn't that busy, but the shift before that we ran 24 calls, you know, and those mornings I get off, we, we get on duty at 8 a.m. And then we work 48 hours and we're off at 8 a.m. the third day. Um, and, uh, man, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I get off duty and I'm like, dude, I've got three to three and a half hours of driving ahead of me That's before nuts, I man. can hit my, you gotta my be bed. exhausted. You've been oh, sweating dude. all day. Yeah. It's sometimes it's, it's rare, you know, that it's, you know, to the point where I just got to sleep before I start traveling. But there's been, there's been a couple of times where I'm like, dude, this is brutal. Like, you know, my, my mom lives um, just west of my station in a town called Rancho Cucamonga. Um, and, uh, so there's been a couple of times where I'm like, I got to just go to her house and sleep or, you know, pull off into a, you know, somewhere halfway and sleep, you know, for a couple hours before I can continue or whatever, just because I, I used to work out in the desert as a firefighter out North of here. Um, and, uh, or North of my, my current assignment. And, you know, we used to run those crazy nightmare accidents out on the corridor from, you know, um, San Bernardino to Las Vegas. And, you know, from here where I live now to, uh, that area too, they call it the corridor. I worked out there for five years, man. And you see some of the most gnarly stuff that you'll never forget as long as you live, you know, it's almost like going to war, you know, you just have these just crazy experiences out there. And I always think that, and I honestly think that that's, what keeps me as safe as I am driving because I immediately go past these places where I've had these traumatic experiences as a fireman and gnarly things that I've seen on that freeway. And as soon as you drive by them, it instantly flashes into your brain what happened and you can go to it like it was yesterday. And I've been driving it for three years now back and forth to work. And I am so fortunate that I had those experiences as terrible as some of them were. I am so fortunate that I had those experiences because it really makes me that much more aware of my driving situation of, you know, um, who's, who's around me, what the conditions are and when and when not to pull over and go to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, because, uh, I mean, nine out of 10 traffic collisions on that freeway where people fall asleep at the wheel, you know, and, um, and almost every single one of them were fatalities and, uh, and some of them were, pretty gnarly, you know, and you got kids involved in stuff and that stuff just sticks with you. And, and, um, 
I'm very fortunate that I've had that ingrained in my brain so that it makes me a much safer driver, but God, it would be amazing to be able to just hop in something and, you know, close the door, go to sleep, wake up at work and go to, you know, it would, it would open up so many more opportunities for people, man, like that want to live in the rural areas like I do away from the cities and out of California or whatever the situation may be. That is so rad, man. I commend you guys for doing that. I know what it takes to, to, to do something like that. And, and, uh, I am super stoked and proud of you guys for, for, uh, building that technology. And I think maybe someday Bronco <laughs> Ford will maybe get involved and maybe we'll be seeing Broncos driving people around who knows, but, uh, that's rad, man. Thank you for sharing that with, with, uh, with us and, um, yeah, continue to, yeah, uh, absolutely continue to, to, uh, you know, push that, you know, trailblaze that technology. We'll, we'll uh, be behind you hundred percent. It's awesome. It's a nice, you know, juxtaposition for me. I work in technology remote, like constantly on the computer every day, dealing with legal issues of, uh, self-driving robot cars and AI and privacy work and, and data and all that stuff. And then my escape is manual driving out <laughs> off the grid, um, right. you know, getting remote and, and staying away. And uh, again, you know, I feel very blessed with all the people that I've met in the community, the vendors that I've worked with and getting to actually know a lot of them on a very personal level, hanging out with them when I see them at shows. Um, and then coming back to work and, and working with, you know, really great people on my team within the, the legal team, within the product engineering and all the folks that I work with there. And I feel like I'm working on a, a really good cause and have a really good outlet for escape as well. So I'm just, you know, I'm yeah. incredibly blessed. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for all of that. Well, thank you guys for what you're doing, man. And, uh, and thank you for what you do for the community too, the overlanding community, man, you have such a rad, uh, you know, um, Instagram page and just the influence that you have in thank that, you. in that thank side you. of the industry, man, super, super, uh, um, awesome and highly respect you for that. Keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. The content that you're putting out is, is unmatched. And, um, and I really, really appreciate you being on the show, um, and taking the time tonight with me. And, and, uh, I, it's been some great conversation, man. I think people are gonna be stoked to listen to this, this, uh, podcast and, and hear about, you know, the stuff that, that Bronco's doing that you're doing with your Bronco and, and, uh, the shows that are out there and, and, um, and with the company you work for. And, um, yeah, thanks, man. How, how can, um, people find out more about what you're doing and who you are and, and, um, you know, how can they, how can they find you? Yes. So, uh, the best thing to do is just follow me on Instagram, uh, Franco Bronco, F-R-O-N-C-O. Such a, such a great name. <laughs> I love it. Yep. Uh, my nickname growing up, uh, like in, uh, gaming and uh, sports and everything was like Frank, uh-huh. uh, from just a play on Frank. I don't know why it stuck, but it did. Uh, but when I got the Bronco, I was like, this makes sense. Yeah, uh, so perfect. <laughs> I, and if you notice, I, I don't know if you have noticed or not, but a lot of people don't realize this uh, on the front grill, the, the shop that did my rap and my graphics and everything, they actually 3D printed a new letter on the grill. So it, instead of a B, there's an F. I did see uh, that. That's so awesome. Look, squint, <laughs> uh, if you're a listener and you look at my photos, squint and look close at the grill and you'll you'll see. That's so but rad. Yeah, Instagram. And, and seriously, you know, as I mentioned before, like reaching out to Justin and getting a response and being able to connect on something 
that was just, you know, a tip or a pointer or anything. I love that he did that for me. And I absolutely respond to everybody that sends me messages. So if you want to know something about what I did to my truck or why I didn't do something else, I'll share every opinion I've got. And I'll tell you if I don't really, if I'm not an expert, I'll point you to one. Uh, but if I've got an opinion on something or I can tell you something that helps you in your journey, helps you get out there, helps you have a good time, uh, just reach out. So, you know, being at the shows and meeting people, uh, meeting you, being able to do this, it's been great. So, you know, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Highly agree. And, and, uh, thanks Frank, dude, it's been a pretty great time and hopefully, I mean, it's been great getting to know you the last, you know, hour and a half or so. And, and, um, and when we met in Flagstaff too, and, and hopefully we'll get to see each other soon and, and hang out with Chase and everybody else and maybe get down to Baja and, and, uh, have some, some, some more good times. So thank you again, Absolutely. man. Really appreciate your time and, um, we'll do this again soon. Sounds good, man. Thank you, All right, buddy. You take care, man. Have a great night. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.